Managers make the difference. The question is what type of difference they make. Hey leader, David Burkus here, organizational psychologist and author of five best-selling books on helping leaders and teams do their best work ever. It's hard to overstate how important managers are. I know, I know, there's been all sorts of buzz about leaderless organizations, what have you. I've even contributed to some of that buzz. But the truth is, if your organization employs managers, then managers are hugely important. If you look at the research from Gallup, up to 70% of individual and team engagement, in other words, the thing that precedes their performance, is determined directly or indirectly by the manager on the team. The same study reveals roughly the same amount, about 70% of managers say they lack proper preparation for management. So this paradox, this conundrum, and not only is it, I mean, it's a recipe for disaster, it's a recipe for dampened employee morale, but it also kind of negatively impacts performance and overall corporate performance. Despite all of this understanding about the value of capable managers, very few companies actually invest properly in robust leadership training. This uh, partly arises from the challenge of just defining what a great manager does, right? We need to know before we train you on what great managers do, what great managers actually do on a regular basis that separates them from poor bosses. Fortunately, this is where organizational psychologists like me come in. This is where several studies, decades of research have come in and found just a few themes, some overlapping areas that are consistent across pretty much every boss that has been labeled a great manager or a great leader. And in this episode, we're gonna dive into four in particular, four things great managers do daily. Let's get started. So the first thing great managers do daily is run smooth meetings. Yeah, I know, I know. I didn't want to talk about meetings either, but we have to talk about it. First of all, if you are a manager, you're going to feel like your job is to attend meetings and to run meetings. But if you're in knowledge work in general, and even if you're not, you're going to feel like meetings are a regular part of your job and probably one of the least enjoyable parts. I've been in those meetings where at the end we basically just say, oh my gosh, this whole meeting could have just been an email. Of course, I've also been on the receiving end of those emails where I would much rather just call the person and talk for four minutes instead of having to read the whole email. So, you know, maybe the problem is a little bit deeper than just meetings. Still, if you're a manager, one of the ways your people are going to be looking for leadership for you and also judging your leadership capacity is how well you run these meetings. This doesn't mean that every meeting has to have an agenda that's circulated out 72 hours ahead of time and that everything is formalized and sent with invitations inside of Outlook and all of that sort of stuff. It, it does mean you need to have a plan. It means you need to know before you go into a meeting what the purpose of that meeting is. In other words, what are we doing? Are we presenting information at you? Are we discussing? Are we making a decision? There's actually only a few overarching purposes of meetings, discussion, decision, presenting information, and just a few more. But do you know that, what that purpose is? And then if you have that purpose, did you did you have the invite list properly, right? If we know the purpose is discussed, then we need everybody who's relevant to the issue. If we know it's to decide, that might be a smaller list. And if it's to present information, then who do we need to verify has received that information? And the last thing you need after, you know, the purpose and the right people is, yeah, okay, you do need some sort of an agenda. Maybe not a minute by minute, accounting of how we're gonna spend all the time, but you need to have a plan of action. What topics do we need to discuss? And my best advice here is not actually to get all that formal, but to attach a question to every agenda item. 
So it's not just you know, advertising budget as an agenda item, it's what do we do to increase the number of impressions while still spending the same amount of raw money in Q4? Right? It's a question that needs to be solved. That way we'll know at the end if the meeting runs smoothly by how many questions we got answered. And if we didn't get the questions answered, then the meeting didn't run all that smoothly and we need to look at what we can improve for next time. That's how you run smooth meetings. You don't do it perfect at first, but you just make sure you know the purpose, the right people, and the reason, the question that we're trying to answer. And if you don't get that all done properly, you go back and you reiterate on it. The second thing great managers do daily is they give fair feedback. Feedback is a huge part of any manager of any leader's job. Right? Giving feedback to your people, having a good one-on-one -on -one meeting with your people is going to be like the, the most time efficient and also one of the most powerful things you can do to give them a sense of progress, to give them uh, ways they need to improve, to watch them improve their performance. But you need to give feedback properly. Most of us give what I would call unfair feedback. And when I say fair here, I don't just mean, oh, you gave you know, accurate constructive criticism or, oh, you were only praising. I don't mean you gave the compliment sandwich. Nobody wants to eat the compliment sandwich. What I mean is that when we look in the aggregate of your formal performance reviews, your one-on-one -on -one meetings, and maybe even your side conversations, are you giving feedback between praise and constructive criticism that is in proportion to their actual performance? That's what I mean by fair. If somebody is doing amazing work 80% of the time and has only about 20% of their job description where they need some development, then you are praising them and giving them thanks and gratitude 80% of the time and only 20% of the time talking about the areas they need development. Now, right away when I say that, you realize most bosses don't do this. Most of us fixate on that tiny little part of someone's performance that needs improvement. And you can't ignore it. I'm not saying you ignore it. But if you're not giving people a proper proportion of praise, then you're not gonna motivate them to act on that 20% either. They're just gonna feel like you don't see them. They're just gonna feel like you're not actually fair, and they're just going to devalue the constructive, well-meaning constructive criticism that you gave them. So give fair feedback. The third thing that great managers do daily is they check capacity. They check the capacity of people on, on a day-to-day -day basis, and they check the capacity of the team. What do I mean by capacity? I mean, are we overloaded? People's capacity to do work is going to change on a day-to-day -day basis. There are uh, Try as we might to balance work and life, they don't really balance because they're not opposing forces. They're all integrated, right? And the very first time you get a, a call from school because your kid is sick, or the, or the very first time you're, you're at work or at family and there's a, there's a work emergency, there's a crisis that can't be aborted, you know these things actually overlap and interact and intersect far more than you think. And so there are things from day to day that might be distracting us from work. I find it useful to check the capacity of people on a regular basis. Might be daily, maybe weekly is a good cycle. You know your team, you know what's best. And just asking them an energy check question. Energy check, right? Hey, scale of one to five, what's your energy like right now? A, a one would be that you're just, you're a zombie and a five would mean you're like pixie. I don't know, whatever the opposite of a zombie is. That you've crazy energy and you're super excited. Very few people say five. So it's not all that important to get it right. The real value of an energy check question comes in the question afterwards. Because no matter what they say, if it's not five, you say, hey, is there anything we could do to help you move that number up one? That way you're checking your people's capacity, but you're also checking to see if there's anything you can do to help and support them. Now, the other way we need to check our team's capacity is to just make sure we don't have too many tasks and too many goals. If you're in a high-performing team, one of the things you're gonna find is that the reward for good work is often more work. 
And so now as a team, you're overcommitted. You're oversubscribed to things that you need to do. And maybe it's just two or three people on the team. Maybe it's the whole team. But if you're not checking in and doing a huddle on a regular basis where we're talking about what are we focused on and what do we complete and where do we need help, then you don't know what your team's abilities are compared to their commitments. You don't know what their capacity is compared to their demand. And if you're doing a huddle on a regular basis, not only then you do, but you also may find opportunities to shift it around. And we need to move this assignment over to this person, or can you help them with that? Because that way we can balance it out and, and keep a, a more smooth capacity. You may even find there's some things where you need to lead up and push back on and get offloaded from your team's plate so they can focus on the things that really matter. That's what we mean when we say check capacity. Individual capacity in an energy check level, and then also the team's capacity in terms of what are we committed to and can we actually do it. And the fourth and final thing great managers do daily is build trust. The trust is like the foundation of any high-performing team. If you don't trust the team, if you don't have a sense of psychological safety on the team, you don't feel free to speak up when you disagree, to share your alternative perspectives, to bring your whole self to work, and potentially, most importantly, to admit your failures and what you learned from them. If you don't have that trust on the team, then you're not gonna grow. You're not gonna develop. You're not gonna find the new possible solutions to the problems because those things only come through divergent thinking, different perspectives. Diversity truly is our strength, but only if that diversity has a level of psychological safety and it has a level of trust. And the reason I say great managers do this daily is that trust isn't given one time, it's not earned, and then every day after that, trust is reciprocated. It's an ongoing cycle. When you're vulnerable with your people, they feel trusted and they respond by trusting you. And then how you respond determines whether or not they still feel trusted and it keeps going. You might have heard this said, that it takes a lifetime to build up trust and only a day to destroy it. And that's true. And that's why great managers make building trust a regular part of their daily activities. Whether that's by being vulnerable, whether that's by hearing and listening, whether that's by celebrating a failure or helping somebody extract a lesson for the whole team from that failure, all of the different ways we encourage people to, to develop that sense that I can trust this team and that I am safe here when I take interpersonal risks with this team, all of those things, they're a daily activity. And fortunately, they're gonna have a huge impact on not just the daily performance, but the overall quarterly, annually, maybe even decades-long performance of the team, so long as we treat trust as not only central to our team, but something we need to center on every single day. And if you do that, by the way, if you build that trust, then you're gonna be better able to check people's capacity because they're gonna be true about what their energy levels are and true about what their commitments are. If they trust you, you're gonna be better able to give fair feedback because they know that you have their best interests in heart and they know that you're giving them truly just the feedback they need to develop. And yeah, I'll be honest, if you build trust, you're gonna have an easier time running smooth meetings because there won't be people trying to hijack the agenda, talk over everyone and make it serve their needs. Because when you build trust, you build a team that puts the needs of all of us over me as an individual, that, that celebrates we over me. And great managers focus in on that, that we over me. In fact, I notice that most of the time, great managers don't say, I have so many people working for me, but they say, we as a team number this, or I'm responsible for this number of people. And that mental shift affects how managers approach these daily activities. And when they do that, with that mentality and with that mental shift, 
they find they not only move the needle on the culture of the team, the performance of the team, the development of the team, but they move the needle on the affection of the team. And whether or not people feel like you as a manager and this as a team actually help them do their best work ever. Hey, thanks so much for listening to this episode. If you liked it, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. And if you really liked it and you want to go deeper and lead smarter, then check out the amazing resources we have for you at davidberkuscom slash resources. Guaranteed there's something in there that'll help you or your team do its best work ever.